Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Take your Bible and turn to Luke, Luke chapter 12. Are you ready is the question. That's the big question of the day. Are you ready? Are you ready? There's all kinds of readies. Now, there's a, there's a, a ready I call school ready. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't much into school. So when you talk about school ready, uh, my school ready was putting it off as long as I could to get out of the bed and then drag myself over to the chair. Uh, this is not the chair, but uh, I dragged myself over to the chair, get my shirt, whatever I was going to wear. It didn't matter what I was going to wear. Just get it on and get to school because I'm not ready for school. Anybody out there identify with me? Can I get a witness? <laughs> so school ready was not my thing. You know, I just wanted to get there. Who cares what you wear? You're going to get on a bouncing, out-of-shape bus. You know, they got springs on them things. I think they add on there just for kids because every bump you hit, you go up and down, and, and there's nothing but a bunch of screaming kids on a bus. So that's kind of what they call school ready. You're not ready for it because you don't want to be ready for it. You don't want to go. And then I call what I call the cruise ready. Now, when you're going on a cruise, who, anybody ever been on a cruise? Oh, love a cruise, man. I mean, when the cruise is coming up, you have set the date in advance. You have made arrangements. You have gotten your passport. Everything is ready because you are cruise ready. You're packed. You're parked ahead of time. You got your clothes. You went on a cruise shopping spree. <laughs> See, I saw a witness of a lady's hand right there. Woo! <laughs> she knows what I'm talking about. She's cruise ready. She is ready because she wants to go. She's expecting. She's living for that moment. And everything she does, you know, a long time out is getting ready for the cruise. She's cruise ready. I like those cruises too. We get all of our garments ahead of time. And there's what I call a family vacation or family dinner ready. Now, Cindy's family is unique. I love them. They're great. But she and her sister, when we get ready to have a, you know, we'll, we'll plan a vacation and we'll go to the beach with her family, uh, theirs and ours, and, and get all the kids together. And we'll just have a good time. But two months ahead of time, two months ahead of time, they're planning the dinner, where we're going to stay, what rooms we're going to stay in, what we're gonna, our agenda's going to be. They are planning everything for that event. Two months ahead, they're planning this thing. I mean, two weeks go by, and Nancy will call them and say, Cindy, I've been thinking about that perlo. You know, if you make this, and then so-and-so makes this one, and I make the cake, and then two weeks later, we still got another month to go. But they're calling and checking on those plans again. They are ready, and they are planned ready for their vacation for the big dinner that they're going to have with all the family. The question is, are you ready? Are you school ready? Are you vacation ready? Are you cruise ready? How do we prepare? When we're ready and excited about something, we look forward to it. You see, the perspective of where you're going has a direct effect on how you live and how you act today. When you're ready for something, you live accordingly. Knowing where you're going does and will have an effect on what you're doing today and tomorrow, regardless of where you're going. The question is, are you ready? Sometimes we don't think the present has anything to do with the future. But I guarantee you what you do with the present... And how you prepare now is going to affect your future. 
Jesus spent most of his ministry talking to his disciples and the world around him about a future kingdom and world that was to come. He was getting them ready for something. And he spent so much time talking about it. And he wanted them to be ready to be eternal citizens in a new kingdom. My subtitle, it's not written in your notes, but you can write it in. My subtitle for this sermon is this, and you may have heard me say this in passing. It's the hereafter I'm hereafter. What are you hereafter? Now let me explain what that phrase means. That term hereafter means a lot of things. Often it's spoken of in speaking in reference to an afterlife, the life after death or heaven. Anybody ever used it that way? Another use of that phrase hereafter was in the form of a question. What have you come here in search of, or in the South we'd say, what you hereafter? Some, some of you know exactly where I am. Some of you are not sure. <laughs> what are you hereafter? My point is this. When you know about your hereafter, it will affect what you're hereafter. When you are ready for the hereafter, it will change what you do and why you're here and what you're here after. It will affect you. It will change you. It will motivate your life. So let's, let's look at Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 38, or excuse me, 35 through 48. And he says this, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. Even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And the Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose, suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. And the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And in an hour that he is not aware of, he will cut him into pieces, assign him a place with the unbelievers, And the servant who knows the master's will does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be be beaten with few blows. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word that you've given to us to challenge us, to prepare us, Lord, for a time that you have designed for us, a time, Lord, that we would live forever with you in your eternal kingdom. Lord, may we be challenged by your word. May we be changed 
as it speaks to us in your name. Amen. It's the hereafter I'm hereafter. So what are you hereafter? What are we living for? Why are we living? This parable gives us a great story about getting us to a point where we begin to think in those terms about being ready. Being ready for what is to come. And there's a blessing that comes in being ready for the Lord's return. The servant of God is always on call. You've got to always be ready. There's no time for the delay. There's no time for getting ready. You have to be ready. It's not something you have to plan for. I plan now and I become ready so that I am ready at any moment. There's no time. He talks about the, the lamp. There's no time to stop and go out and buy oil for the lamp. It can happen in a moment. There's no time to adjust and get your clothes ready and, oh, i got to get dressed. i got to get the right thing here. You don't have time to shop for the coming of the Lord. How many know that? <laughs> I don't have time to go out and go shopping and, and find the best deal. I've got to be ready now. He uses a term called, in, in the Scripture, it says, be dressed ready. And in King James, they, uh, they use a phrase that says, uh, gird up your loins. I used to wonder about that phrase. The reality is this, that in that day, they didn't wear jeans and pants like we do today. They had these long tunics that they wore, which would kind of be cumbersome in trying to get things done sometimes. If you're in a hurry, if you've got to run somewhere, you're not going to get there very fast if you've got this long dress type thing on. So what they would do is they would reach down and into the back of their garment, they would grab a hold of the back of it, pull it up between their legs, twist it, and tuck it in their belt. Gird up your loins. And what that did for them was gave them the ability to move their legs, to begin to run, to begin to stretch, to reach, to do whatever they needed to do to get to the job, to get the job done, to move around without being encumbered by this big garment. So he's telling them something, be dressed ready. Be dressed ready with an attitude, with a mentality that everything about you is ready. You, are, you stand dressed ready. It's kind of like uh, the fireman. Just, just thought of this illustration. How many of the firemen in here? You ever worked in the fire department? What do they do? They take their boots and their overalls, and it looks like a puddle in the floor. <laughs> so that when the alarm goes off, all they got to do is jump up into their boots, grab it, and pull it up, and they're ready to go. They are dressed ready to go at a moment's notice. That's the way we've got to be. You've got to have yourself in an attitude and a frame of mind that I am always prepared. Gird up your loins. Be prepared. We read about it in other scriptures and references where Ahab was going to run ahead of the chariot. And what did the scripture say he did? He grabbed his tunic. He pulled it up, twisted it, stuck it in his belt. He gird up his loins so that he could run, and he outran the chariot. That's how fast he was moving. Let me tell you something. You've got to be dressed appropriate for the job. Dressed appropriate for the job. Skinny jeans won't work on a construction site. Just saying. <laughs> now, some of these construction guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Would you go over and get that? Okay. Can't pin down to get it. I mean, let's, let's be real. <laughs> I got some people thinking I am really off the wall now, but others identify totally. 
And here, here's another illustration. Be dressed ready. You cannot serve well in a restaurant when you got all the bling going on. Okay? Just saying. You ever had a waiter or a waitress, either one, walk up? They got these long chains. I mean, they're cool. They're looking fine, man. They got all the bling. And they go to lean over the table to set your plate down. And they just drug their chain right through your salad. <laughs> now, that's a simple illustration. But it proves a point. You have to be dressed and ready for the job that you're in. Am I talking about clothes this morning? You missed it if that's what you think. I could care less about your skinny jeans or your leckers or your bling or whatever. What I'm talking about is us being spiritually dressed and ready for the moment that the Lord calls and comes for us. We are ready. It's an attitude. It's a frame of mind. He said, be dressed ready for battle. You don't have time to get up and say, oh, wait a minute. I think the Lord's coming. I think I heard a trumpet. We have to be dressed ready spiritually. He said, keep your lamps lit. Regardless of how long the night may be, if you're camping, anybody camping? If you're in a place where you don't know where you are and you don't know what's out there, you keep the lamp burning, don't you? Even if you turn it down low so that at least it'll stay lit, you are ready for anything because you are expecting something. That's the difference. You're expecting something. You don't have time to stop and say, hold on, time out. i got to go buy some oil. Let me go get some batteries for this light. We live ready. We're dressed ready. We have our lamps lit. He uses a parable and a story of uh, an analogy of a wedding. In that day, weddings could take four to seven days. Thank God we don't live in that day. (laughs) If you got married or you've had kids that got married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's long enough to get prepared for that whole shindig. And it's great, it's wonderful, but we're all glad when it's over. And I can't imagine having four to seven days of this celebration. I mean, it's great, it's wonderful. I love being married, but I'm glad we didn't have four or seven days of, of, of a ceremony and celebration all this time. I was ready to go. Some of you with me. And he uses that analogy because in that day they could relate. They could relate to the four to seven days. And here's this wedding feast, and he says the steward would would wonder and look. You see, the master would leave and be at a wedding feast, and they didn't know when he was coming back. It could be four days. It could be five days. But the steward was ready, and he would post a lookout maybe at the door or on the top of the wall of where they lived to where they would constantly be looking for the master because I want to be ready when he comes. And when that, when that steward would see him coming in the distance, they would run down and tell everybody else, hey, he's coming, he's coming, he's almost here, get ready, you gotta be, are, you, are you dressed? You don't have time to change clothes now, you got to have it ready. And they would get everybody together so that the moment the master came through the door, another servant would run and take all of the belongings from him, maybe take his coat or whatever uh, luggage he was carrying. And they would get all of that put aside, don't worry, come on in, master, we, we got you covered. Not only that, they would bring him right in, and already they had a meal that was being prepared. They had everything ready that was going to, all we had to do was just put it on a stove, maybe. <laughs> I don't know how they cooked. But they were ready to prepare this meal and make everything right because the master was here. I saw him coming, and I'm telling you, let's get ready. And the word went through the whole house. They were ready. They were waiting. Now, waiting doesn't mean we're, like we're waiting on a bus or a cab 
Well, he'd be here sometime. But expecting, looking forward. It's, it's kind of like the mother and father who are expecting their child. We're fixing to have a baby. It's coming and we're looking forward to it. We've already planned the name. We've got the room decorated. We are ready. That's the kind of waiting that you're going through. You're expecting it. You're looking forward to it. You say, man, I can't wait. You see, there's a blessing that comes in being ready. And here it is. When the master becomes the servant. I'm going to tell you something. Out of all of this stuff, this right, this part right here blows my mind the more you get into it the more depth and weight it has verse 37 of our text he said it will be good for those servant whose master finds them watching when he comes another translation waiting when he comes truly i tell you he will dress himself whoa whoa whoa, whoa. who's dressing here do you see the switch Do you see what just took place, what just happened? Let me back up. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he, not the servant, but the master, truly he will dress himself to serve. And then he will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Woo! That is some heavy stuff. For those who are ready, what a surprise. I've been waiting for this day. Been looking forward to it. And now the master comes in, and we're just all excited. But then he comes in and he says, it's okay, chill. I got you. Oh, but master, we want It's all right. I got you. Well, what do you mean? It's okay. Come with me. And he takes them over and he has them recline. Well, chill now. Sorry, just recline. Get your best recliner. Just relax. I have come to serve you. I have come to serve you. y'all get all that? (laughs) That was silent language. (laughs) Not quite silent language. But he has come to serve me. The great king of kings says, hey, this this is servanthood. What a reversal. Instead of someone coming in and barking orders, okay, now get ready. Get the table served right now. Get over here. Get that ice. You know, you've been in a restaurant where where the head maitre d' or whatever they call him, he would start barking out orders to everybody else. What a surprise when the master, the owner, the king of kings comes in and says, it's okay, I got you. I want to serve you today. I've come here to give you something. You see, Jesus was giving them a foretaste of what would happen in the upper room because once again in the upper room, he told his disciples, recline. Take, eat. This is my body. This is my blood. What a picture that he was giving them, he was teaching them all along how to be servants because servants become his in his kingdom. Master of all came to serve all. 
Mark 10, 45, sir, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus became a servant when he washed the disciples' feet. There was nothing above him. I don't know about that. I'm not sure I want to wash some of his feet. Let's be real. That means getting out of our comfort zone, stepping down from where we are and our position. You want me to wash it? What? Jesus came and demonstrated to us. Blessed is the servant when the master comes, finds him watching because he will serve him. The master's action right here elevates and changes the whole meaning of servanthood. You see, you have to become empty of yourself in order to serve someone else. You have to get rid of yourself. That's what servant kind of love is all about. Do you have a servant's heart? I want you to know that the servant's heart is one of the hardest things to do. It's the hardest way to live to become a servant to other people. You see, we are conditioned to live just the opposite. That's the way we are conditioned to do just the opposite, to get what is mine. Go for the gusto. We used to hear those commercials. You deserve a break today. That's an old commercial, but man, what were they saying? It's all about you. It's all about me. A servant's heart is serving others and getting them ready for the day that the king of kings would come and would serve us. You hear a lot about standing up for what's right. What we're really saying is standing up for what we want to be right. We don't know the difference between what is right and our rights. In his kingdom, I have no rights. I am his. We give up our rights. Even the church world, we, we begin to expect stuff like that. We come in and we want to be served. Well, what are you going to sing for me today? What are you going to tell me today? Why? I can't believe they didn't do this for our group. I better stop. Verse 41. <laughs> Woo! Verse 41, he speaks of the faithful servant, as does Matthew in his writings in, verse, in chapter 25 and 21. It said Jesus shares another attribute. And he's talking about, he says, a faithful servant is what? He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's not commented on what he did, how he did, when he did. Oh, that was such a good job. I mean, no, that's not what you're going to hear. But he is going to simply say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're trying to become the famous servant. There's a difference between well done, thou good and famous servant and well done, thou good and faithful servant. Giving up all that we are to become his so that we can share with others and they too can become his and the servant will serve or the master will serve us. Well done, good and faithful servant. Remember the blessing for being a ready and faithful servant is when the master becomes the servant. Now, there's a danger of being unprepared for his return in verses 39 through 40. You see, the second illustration in this whole text that we read is suddenly we see 
not a joyful, expectant master in all of this, but rather he starts talking about a surprise break-in. There's an intruder that comes in. How many know the burglars don't send you a text message say I'm coming? Oh, I just got a text. They're, they're about to break into my house now. They come unexpected. He's trying to get a point across to them. Now, you, now some of them, you might see it on Facebook, but they won't text it. <laughs> He's trying to tell us that we must always be ready and alert at all times. The Lord can come back at any time. Are we ready for that departure? Verses 41 through 48, he starts talking about the steward of the household. And he's bringing in that day, again, relative to their understanding, the steward, the head steward was responsible for the house. When the master was away, he had a lot of power. He had a a, a sphere of influence. He managed the day-to-day affairs of the house, the estate. He represented the master at business even when the master was away. And he even supervised the staff and, to some extent, had some authority over the children while the master was away. I mean, that's a lot of power. But what happens in the story is that he took advantage of all that was going on. He said, you know, maybe it's been a while. And we don't know when he's coming back. So what's everybody so uptight about? Just chill. And he begins to take advantage of the power that he had, the possessions that the master had put in his possession and under his rule and began to take advantage of it to the point that he lived any way that he wanted. He began to take advantage of that and even to the point of abusing his power and abusing those who were underneath him. The story and the illustration he gives us talks about beating the other servants, male and female, and even said, hey, I'm partying. He's gone for a while. He won't even miss it. He's got so much. Hey, let's party to the point he became drunk. There's plenty of time. Besides, we can get everything together by the time he gets back anyway. But the assumptions were fatally flawed because he forgot that along with power, And position comes responsibility. It was fatally flawed. Because the story tells us when the master came back, that he catches him in the act. How many know that sometimes the anticipation of judgment is a good vice to help us live better lives? How many know what I'm talking about? Well, we better not because when mom and dad get home, you know what I'm talking about as a kid? Uh, I don't know. They've left us here, but, you know, and just the impending wrath <laughs> or what we think might happen makes us live a little more reverently. I grew up in a, in a strict home. My dad was a pastor, and so I knew what it was to go to church and to do all those things and to play church. You don't have to say, man, I know some of you out there. I knew what it was. I could do it. But there were times when, you know, you hear, hear all those sermons. We used to call them fire and brimstone sermons. Where they talk about how hot hell was. I told a story the other night about being in a place one time. And they were scaring them in the middle of that sermon. 
storm hit and lights went out and everybody was, <gasps> and the individual was sharing. There was this long pause and all of a sudden you heard this blood-curdling scream and he said, dark, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never forget that. And they went on with their story and said, this ain't going to stop us. It's dark now, but it's darker than hell. Just think of hell. <laughs> gotcha. Ah, never forgot it, man. Told that story many times. It's a funny story. Don't have time to tell it all today, but it really happened. He was trying to drive into us, you know. Hey, you, you need to be ready because there is a heaven and there is a hell. If there's a heaven, how many believe in heaven? Ooh, yeah, it feels good, don't it? How many believe in hell? Well, yeah. It's almost like you don't want to. Believe in it. Yeah. I believe in heaven, but I'm not. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm not going there, so it's all right. But I'm here to tell you that I lived in a time when you, we were growing up as kids that you were scared, not afraid, scared. There's a difference. She knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I just knew that if I was in the wrong place doing the wrong thing and the Lord was to come, I would miss it. I'd have to take the mark of the beast. They chopped my head off. I mean, that was real. Now, I'm not saying that was the right motivation. Probably wasn't the right motivation. But just the thought of coming eternity without Jesus did help. And I'm just, just going to throw it out there. We're living in a time when we don't even think about hell. We think a little bit about heaven because we're thinking mostly about today. But I'm here to tell you, it's the hereafter. I'm hereafter. What are you hereafter? There is a hereafter. There is a day that's coming. He will come quickly. And if we are not prepared, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. We need to live in a time when we are in ready anticipation. Instead of living callous, indifferent lives to the world around us. Instead of becoming insensitive to people's needs and hurts oblivious to the reality and the condition of the world and just saying, well, that's the news. What else is bad is going to happen? No, it's coming. People are dying without Jesus. And we need to share. Being ready is not just wistfully gazing into heaven, but living with an anticipation that we're into his word. We are seeking God. We're seeking people who don't know Jesus. So that we can tell them. In the first parable, the master becomes a servant, ushering into his into his feast those around him. What a picture. In the second half of that illustration and that whole story we read, the master becomes the judge and the executioner. Wow, what a contrast. He will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with unbelievers. How are you living your life? When the king comes, will you be ready? Will your master say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? You fight a good fight. You finish the race. I want to ask you some questions today. Put these in your mind and write them in your notes. But here's some questions for the day. Who was the parable for? Peter asked that question. Lord, who is this parable for? Us or everyone? I'm here to tell you, it's for everyone. It's for you. It's for me. It's for all of us. The answer is yes. Who is the parable for? It is for us. The second question is, 
Are you that faithful servant? He said, Jesus responded to Peter with a question. Is this parable for us? Who then is the faithful servant? Whom the master finds, here's the key word, doing. Doing. The faithful servant is the one who is busy doing something. Are you that faithful servant? Number three, what are you doing with your possessions? You see, he made us stewards in his kingdom here on earth until he comes and brings another kingdom. He's given us possessions. And my question to us this morning is, what are you doing with his possessions as a faithful steward? He is giving us all access to God-given authority. In Matthew 16, 19, he says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Wow. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bound in heaven will be bound in heaven. Verse Matthew 18 and 18, he adds with verse 19 again, he says, I say unto you that if two will agree, what power and authority he is giving us if you just agree, if you take the keys I've given you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. He's given us authority. He's given us power. John 10, 19. Look at this. Behold. That means attention. I give unto you power. 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 I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all Ooh, love that word. All the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. I've given you authority. I've given you power over all the enemy. He says in Hebrews 4 and 12, he says, I've given you my word for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Even to the dividing, cutting between. Woo, yes. Cutting between the joints and the marrow. Now that's pretty close. The Word of God, he says, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I've given you my possessions of authority. I've given you power. I've given you my Word. He says, I have given you the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will, you will, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Because there's a time coming and the time is now that you must be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be His witnesses. Because it's coming. The last question is, are you ready to give your requirement? All these possessions and things he gives us, he wraps up this this story this morning in verse 48. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. King James says, wherever much is given, much is required. He's given us all these things, so what are we doing with it? What are we doing with all that he's given us? I want you to stand with me right now. Some of you may not know Jesus this morning. You may not be ready for the hereafter, but I'm telling you, it's coming. Ready or not, believe it or not. See, that's the thing. It doesn't depend on whether you accept it or believe it. It's happening. (laughs) That's a guarantee. I don't have to believe it, but it's going to happen. I'm asking you to believe it. 
And maybe you say this morning, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I haven't accepted him. You can't accept him this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? To those of us who know him, I'm asking this question. Are you his faithful servant? Are you faithful? Are you ready to give him what he needs today? So that he can use you with all he's given you to use. And last, how is your perspective of today affecting how you live tomorrow? And if you want to know Jesus, if you want to say, hey, I want to be ready for the hereafter. And this is what I'm here after this morning. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.